welcome to episode 35 of the Brown and Black Podcast. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. Mike, another week of 2021, and it's just as crazy as 2020 was. I thought 2021 was going to be a little bit better. But have you been hearing the talk that is going on in Wall Street, that they're they're having their own rebellion? And it's just like a group of Reddit traders that it's like the weekend warriors, man. <laughs> Guys who probably couldn't cut it at Wall Street, but they still have the know-how. And a form of internet populism happened where these young traders decided to go ahead and make GameStop one of the highest stocks in America uh, yesterday. I think it hit like 430 when it was like at 20 bucks or something like that. Have you been hearing about this? Of course, dude. I love it. First of all, I love that these guys beat the gamesters at their own game. For a long time, we've looked the other way in terms of Wall Street and how money is made. You ask most people what a hedge fund is. They don't even know. How can you bet on a company losing? How, how does that work? How is this gamble? legal yet you need a certain kind of permit to open up a casino so i love 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 for reddit and all these reddit users to have organized to drive up a stock price to literally put these hedge funds in a position where uh uh-oh we're not controlling this because what they're saying the idea that they want to shut it down they've moved the reddit stock off of certain platforms and whatnot and they're asking for a 2.75 billion bailout The fact that they could lose that amount of money in a day shows you how they've been controlling things. And when somebody else controls it, what happened to them, they don't like it. So to me, I'm cheering this on. Let me let me break this down to you, man. You know what this whole thing is to me? This this whole thing is about income inequality. That's why this whole thing with these Reddit traders happened. They were just probably sick and tired of the billions of billions of dollars that these people were making during the quarantine, during the pandemic. It just seems egregious. It seems beyond the natural boasting. It's delinquent. It's gross. It's gross. And I think these guys were sick of it when these guys were trying to profit off of one of their favorite institutions in GameStop. It's like, how do you profit off of the almost dead. And it makes sense. America, number one, biggest GDP on the planet. You know, uh, we are the superpower. We we have the biggest military. Uh, we have the most amount of money. Yet, there's so many homeless people. You know, so many people are un- unemployed, food stamps, welfare, uh, housing projects. How is this all possible in the richest country in the world? There are 788 billionaires in the United States, Mike. And combined, these guys make up $3.4 trillion of wealth. That's that's, that's right. its own country. Listen, 660 of those billionaires reached the point where they have $1.1 trillion. They could have just the money they made last year could have paid for this next stimulus package that they're debating in Congress. If you put that into context... You have to take the whole Latino community in the United States, the whole black community in the United States, combine that to make 106 million total of the population, and then only then you can match the spending power that these two communities have together with like 3.2 trillion. But look how many 106 million people versus 788 billionaires. So obviously the chasm, the gap, the wealth gap is beyond. And that's when you start seeing these rebellions. I mean, if we look back at the American Revolutionary War, the taxes, the Brits, the Americans, sick and tired of seeing the man make the money while you're here toiling, knowing that your toiling should at least get you middle class. That's why they threw the tea into the water. That's why they threw the tea into the water, man. And this is also payback for 2008, man. Sure. All those guys. Here's the other thing. The the people on Reddit, the quote-unquote geeks, hackers, computer uh, people, the people who live online, as it were, they're the same people who play video games. So when 
all of these Wall Street investors were betting that the company would fail. And that's really what a hedge fund does. That's really what short term. That's a large part. It's all betting. Let's let's be real. Wall Street is all about betting. And when they're betting that it's going to fail, they decided to stop it. And they sent the stock up 14,300%. That's unreal. Man, I feel like this whole thing is like a new iteration of Occupy Wall Street. I remember when Occupy Wall Street first happened, and I was like, yo, why are these guys doing this? You know, I just probably didn't have the the fundamental depth and, and understanding of history to kind of understand where these guys were going. But this is like the internet version of Occupy Wall Street. I was thinking that Miss, Mr. Robot. Yes, it's definitely like Mr. If, Robot. Definitely Mr. Robot. This is, this is Mr. Robot. Yes. The whole concept of the show is to help bring down corporate America and these elite millionaires that are just okay with the rest of the country being poor while the few i mean bernie sanders talks about this all the time yes he does so this to me it's just happening in a different form but the 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 fight and the struggle for the racial wealth gap the wealth gap the wealth inequality in this country i don't know mike you know a lot of people say that that you shouldn't be messing with wall street like this it could disrupt something please only people who say there are people who have money in Wall Street. But I I like this. I like this move a lot. <laughs> I love these rebels, man. I, first of all, I love it. I love that what they're doing. I love turning the tables. I love the gamesters being outgamed. You know, one of the things about 2020 was lifting the mask. It lifted the mask on the inequalities in this country when it comes to race, when it comes to class, uh, when it comes to the power structure. It lifted the mask. It lifted the mask not just for us here in America, but it lifted for the world. You know, I was talking to a friend in another country uh, the other day, and he was saying the whole world sees what America is now. It, it cannot hide anymore. And so to me, this Wall Street is just a continuation of unmasking the core of America because America was built on inequality. Mike, one of the greatest moments uh, of my lifetime is what happened with Lloyd Austin, a retired four-star army general, is now the first black defense secretary in U.S. history. Austin served more than 40 years in the army and headed the U.S. Central Command, the Pentagon's key post, leading military operations in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. What does it mean for all of us to have the first black secretary of the most powerful military in the world? Well, I think it means a lot of things because one of the things we we unify here on brown and black because you're brown, I'm black. But what we have in common may not be food and culture. What we have in common is how we're treated by the dominant culture and how we're treated by the dominant culture is that same equality we were talking about. And one of the problems with the military is inequality, the sexism. There's so many things wrong with the way the military is set up. I can only hope that someone who comes in with a different perspective, hopefully. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people who were in the military were part of the insurrectionists. So mindset of the military is one thing, but this is someone who is a four-star general. You don't get to be a four-star general in the military by not being a smart. And if you're black, even it's even harder. So uh, I, I hope he attacks things differently. That's what I think. That's my You know, you were talking about inequality. Mm -hmm. And like the whole system at the government is entrenched in white supremacy. Yes. The whole thing has been designed to not allow black people to be promoted to be advanced uh, within there that's why seeing lloyd austin in that position especially in that position yes. speaks volumes of the biden administration uh, not necessarily america but of allies that believe that these men have earned 
that position after all this time. Isn't the Department of Defense like the largest employer in the world? I think they've employed like 1.3 million active duty service members. Yes, yet there are tens of thousands of homeless veterans. 66% of the military is white. 66, 17% is black. And if we really start like kind of like looking at this, this goes all the way back to the American Revolutionary War, Mike. Crispus Attucks, the five bloods mentioned Crispus Attucks. Chadwick Boseman, remember that scene where he was in the in the helicopter with the gold? Remember what he said? We built this country. Five to 8,000 black soldiers participated in the American Revolution. Salem Poor, James Lafayette, all these people died. So when, when black people go, we should be in these positions, of course you should. Because just like Chadwick Boseman said, we built this country. So we earned these positions. We've poured blood for this country. The fact that they didn't want to give us any credit, the fact that they didn't want to free us from slavery back in the American Revolutionary War, and they duped us. These are the paybacks. These are the moments that realigns and gives you hope in America. Sure. And I'm a bit of a student of history. I don't know as much military history as, as clearly, you know, we could bring an expert on. But throughout history, when it comes to conflict, blacks and Latinos, their roles uh, and their loyalties have been divided and really not understood. People have no idea. I don't even know if you can name a historical figure who was Latino from the Civil War. Can you even name one off the top of your head? No, not off the top of my head. So that that's what I'm saying. And now that should be something I feel like every denying that knowledge really changes your perception. Like you, you mentioned earlier, perception of yourself, how, I don't know if we said this on air or off air, we were talking about how we perceive ourselves, uh, whether we're black or Latino, how we grow up seeing ourselves. And it's one of the things we talked about Darnell later in the show, I think it's important. And I think if the military is such a gigantic, enormous force, our defense budget is the most money we spent, and there's a huge amount of inequality there, I can only hope that someone like Lloyd Austin is going to make changes. And one thing that he has to also really think about, Mike, now that you're talking about all this, is how is he going to handle, manage the racism and extremism that exactly. white supremacy exactly. amongst his soldiers because now he's going to start going who was part of the insurrection who was part of the riot how are you in here how long have you been in here and what kind of damage are you insidiously doing to all of us you know what these guys these white extremist soldiers man that are part of the military it, it, it's like there's double 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 spies oh yeah Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm spying on you, but I'm reporting back and then um you know, I'm I'm playing both sides. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Secretary of Defense Austin handles the situation because that's going to be ugly. The next 4 years of him doing this, this things are going to get ugly in the Pentagon, Mike. Looking back, like you hear about the Roaring 20s and you're wondering how did that get that name i think i don't know what they're going to call the 20s (laughs) you know 30 years from now but there will definitely be a name it might be the surreal 20s it might be the but it'll definitely be a name because it looks like the 20s are going to be a time of enormous upheaval in this country So it was pretty cool that the AFI put out their top 10 list the other day, and I'm, I won't talk about the television shows, just the movies, but here are the top 10 movies of 2020 by the AFI. The Five Bloods, Judas and the Black Messiah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Soul, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Wow. Mike, I've seen all of those movies Same except here. Sound of Metal. That's the only one I haven't seen with Riz Ahmed. I've, you know, first of all, number one, I'm not into metal music. <laughs> and, you don't need you know, to be. It's it's you don't need. Okay, to well, be. that's what I'm hoping for. But it it, it kind of I'm like, oh man, even no, dude, if, dude, if the it's background one, it's, of the it's film one of the is most metal. original films you'll see this year, and I love that the lead is also a person of color. And 
Wow, that's quite a list. And it also, to me, what strikes me, we talked about this in the live show, is five of them, they're five black historical dramas. And they're all based on real-life people. Ma Rainey was a real-life person. Uh, One Night in Miami, there's four real-life people in there. Judas and uh, the Black Messiah. Judas Fred and the Black Hampton, Messiah. That's Fred, a live exa- Those are all real living people. Even The Five Bloods was based on real living people. So to me, the fact that these films made the AFI list says there's so much further. We were talking in the, in the last segment about military and military heroes. And I think when we talked about, you know, the movie Harriet came out last year. As much as I liked it, I still found it fascinating that Harriet was like a spy. Like, I want to see Harriet the spy. <laughs> and and there is a, the only Latino figure I know of from the Civil War is a woman named Loretta Janetta Velasquez. And she was a spy too. She masqueraded as a Confederate soldier, pretended to be a man. Okay. Why have I not seen that movie? The reason that there isn't a movie about her, and we spoke to a, a, a prominent Latino filmmaker recently, and what he told us was, number one, white people just don't want to make stories about Latinos. They don't feel that white people will be inclined to watch them. Uh, they might feel that black people might not be uh, inclined to watch them. You'd have to do a survey. I mean, but this one person that, that has the green light process, that's the, what he believes. And then besides that, you have to take into consideration self-hatred. Do Latinos really want to watch movies about the Latino experience? My answer to that is, and, and I think this has played out in the last year. I think that if you tell a lie or you tell, say anything long enough, people believe it. For a long time, it was believed that black films do not travel. So no matter how successful your black film was here in America, it would never get much of an international release because, quote unquote, they don't travel, which is also saying black stories don't matter. Now, Black Panther changed all that. Now we're seeing more and more and more, okay? All stories about all humans matter. And that, that, that should be the edict for storytelling. There should be no one left out of the ability to tell a story, whether it's a superhero story or if it's a character story. So I think that, yes, do I think Latinos would like to see that? I think yes, but I don't think just Latinos would like to see that hero. I think everybody would like to see that hero, would like to see that story. I think everybody would be open to seeing stories about a life they could never live, because that's really what stories are. People don't watch biographies about themselves. They watch stories. Sure, they want to relate. Black character, Latino character, female character, they want to relate. But if you find you can relate to people that don't necessarily look exactly like you, that's change. I'm not exactly sure if you make that movie, if Latinos will come out to the theaters or in streams to watch it, Mike. One of the things, one of the experiences I've particularly had is growing up as a Hispanic kid in New York City was that we didn't see ourselves represented anywhere. So we didn't think we belonged in the mainstream conversation. So we had to either pick a side, white or black. So we either talk like black people, or we talk like white people, but we were with one of those groups more than we were with ourselves. You didn't see that many Hispanic, you know, Americans just hanging out with themselves. We were hanging out with everybody else. When we were growing up, we loved Star Wars. Mark Hamill was like who we wanted to be. Kirk Cameron, you know, from Growing Pains. That was the heartthrob of the moment. You know, the girl that you aspired to date was Alyssa Milano. I, well, I, you know, I'd still date Alyssa Milano. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't grow up with the asp. I mean, it was it wasn't until La Bamba, man. That you felt a sense of pride in yourself as a Latino growing up in the 80s. Mm. That's when you really felt it. Stand and Deliver was too indie for us to fully grasp. We kind of got that on the trickle-down effect. But the mainstream movie was La Bamba. And it's funny. Uh, Richie Valens, played by Lou Diamond Films, the actor isn't really even Hispanic. No. that's He's Native American. That's which is crazy. Which is crazy. But he comes off as such a good Latino, which then really kind of puts our identity in this flux. Dude. You know, there's been poets from Mexico that talk about how we're a super race, but in America, we're not treated like that. So to constantly think like that 
is we're fooling ourselves. You know, we kind of got to have an understanding that moviegoers, Latino moviegoers over index more on movies like Fast and the Furious that are more about multicultural stories than just specifically Latino stories. I think the idea of blending different skin colors and different views within a storyline, kind of the way the Netflix is doing it, I think that's what Latinos want to see. I don't think Latinos want to see just Latino movies, man. And I think that that's a hard thing to hear because how are we going to get our stories across? Just by telling a fucking good story that doesn't have to be just Latino, that could be blended with many experiences that you've had in your life. Next, we're going to go to our interview with Donnell Rawlings, and we covered a variety of things. I found our conversation very enlightening. By the way, because of him, my ribs are still hurting. <laughs> I was laughing so well, hard. I mean, seriously, what a funny, funny man. Well, and I love the fact that he is just who he is. He is not pretending to be anything else. And he said a lot of things, I think, in the interview that you can take away that can be applied to anywhere you are in life. I love his quote on Latinos that are a little restless seeing the black community rise so much. He had something to say to them, and uh, it, it's true, but the way he said it was so fun. Oh, it is. And I will also say that Donnell does not hold back. Black lives matter. I'm black. I feel like I should say that every two days, whether I believe it or not. Black lives matter. I abused the race car. You can tell when a brother's about to abuse a race car because they start to sit us off like this. Oh, I see what's going on. <laughs> Up in here. It's because I'm black. I use that anywhere. I could be in a, a, a burger shop. Let me get a burger, large fries, ketchup. Sorry, sir. We're all out of ketchup. Oh, I see what's going on up in here. Donnell, obviously, you know, you're you're in the business of making money, of representation and letting black voices and colored voices have the same equality that whites do. Uh, because it's time that we get ours. So Reddit, I'm not sure if you've been hearing about this Wall Street bets that's been going on, how they're essentially kind of just fighting the bully of Wall Street, small little group of people in stocks, just messing up with the, with the bullies. And this whole thing right. is about internet populism. But it also speaks about why they're doing it. And a lot of the reasons why they're doing it is because of income inequality. That's something that really affects all of us. So. One of the things I was telling Mike is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because you seem to be doing everything, man. You're like on YouTube, you got podcasts, you're like collaborating with everybody else, right. merchandise, you got everything. And so one of the things that I think is a problem with us Browns and Blacks is that we don't know how to build wealth and power. So how does Donnell Rawlings build Black power? Because of a lot of rejection, being upset at a lot of things. You know, you said something. The first thing you said when you you opened this question up was, um, I know that people are in it to make the money. You know, people with that mindset initially are the people that usually don't get the money. And ah. what I'm saying, I don't know if this answers your question. To, there's a lot of people out here want to be rebels. There's a lot of people want to revolt. There's a lot of people like, yeah, we got to do this. And you know what we got to do? We want to get our respect and we got to get it as a black man. And I've been in this. And then you like, wait a minute, but you're whack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 I'm down for everybody's march. You know what I'm saying? I'm down for equality. I'm down for giving the black man an opportunity, whatever. But I'm also down with getting a skill set and getting some knowledge so you can go out there and do something with your rage. You could do something with your anger. You know what I'm saying? And right now, like, you asked me, like, how do I do everything? I was literally forced into starting to do everything. Two years ago, I guess... Or maybe a year ago, I was so content with just being a working road comic. 
You might not get a lot of film opportunities this year. You might not get a lot of television opportunities this year. But the opportunity can nobody take from you is the opportunity to stand in front of people and make them laugh. And for the most part, a, a comedian's goal, of course, everybody's going to say, I wanted my own sitcom. I want my own movies. But what you want, first and foremost, is to be able to create a good lifestyle for yourself with your God-given talent. That's the first thing. And that's one thing that a lot of people are ignoring with everything. And last year, again, I looked at my schedule. I'm like, man, I got 14 Martin Lawrence dates. I'm like, <laughs> I got six dates with Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle. I just did Netflix Degenerate. Right, I just ripped Monique's Monique and Friends, motherfucking uh, soul that nobody know about. The whole world is gonna know about. That's about to drop. I'm like, nigga, I'm on fire. <laughs> I was like, yo, I was like, offer only, son. I was like, offer only. I was like, I'll take an offer only. I was so confident that this was gonna be the year, and then COVID said. <laughs> hold up. Um, hold up. It hit the hip-hop transition. Hold up. <laughs> now, now, it didn't say hold up gradually. It said hold up right now. It didn't say, guys, in five more months. It said every day it got worse and worse and worse. Every day it was live performances. My, 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 my lady, she said this to me one day. Why you seem so grumpy? I was like, I'm no, I don't know if you're watching the same news I'm watching. <laughs> but Donald Trump just said that 95% of live performances are going to be canceled. Uh, 100% of my shows are those 95%. So now I'm going to be dealing with 5% of something that doesn't even exist right now. You are unemployed. I've never had a situation where I said, you're for what you're doing right now you're unemployed hmm. you know what i'm saying like you cannot make a living at what you do because you can't do what you do right so then what do you do you get smart you start thinking of other shit you know what i mean things that you thought about years past as much as you said i want to do something different you didn't really have to until this happened and then you had to say to yourself what's going to be different this is what people always say. That's easy for you to say, Donnell, where you're well off, so-and-so. I don't give a fuck what your income bracket is. Nobody likes to see shit leave their account and nothing coming in their account. Mm -hmm. That's what, you know, like, if it's going even, maybe you have a year of it, you're not making no money, but you at least want it to, to even out. So that could alarm anybody. I said to myself, I am a brand that people engage with I, I can turn fanship into money without ex exploiting people. What type of product or what could I do on the merchandise side, on the start a collection side, on the wellness side? And I just, for me, the first thing that I did to make money away from doing stand-up was I, I, I forced myself into becoming like an overnight entrepreneur. How did you do that? I, I with, with the team I work with through my podcast, we always are trying to reach out and figure out different things. And one of my partners, he had a relationship with a woman that was a candle maker, right? And like when we recruit everything, I know this is going to be hard for some people to say, but we call it like, we'd be like, yo, we need a candle bitch. Okay. I know it's going to be some, <laughs> you know, you need a candle bitch. You need a real estate bitch. You need a, you need a yeah. Corona bitch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you need a team of bitches. And I mean that in the most respectful way I can say it. Right. He was like, he was like, you ever thought about doing candles? I was like, yeah, but I ain't got a candle, bitch, right? He said, I got a candle, bitch. I said, well, <laughs> I said, well, let's get the candle, bitch, on the phone, son. Just so happened she was a woman that got easily offended by what her title would be or the way we explained it. Well, the position I don't blame you were offering her. We've got a candle, <laughs> bitch, position open. And, uh... but, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Mike. Uh, she had a, her business is really telling candles. It's a dope business. It, it always was a dope business. But she didn't have that celebrity connection with it. Not that you need it, but for some reason, people really get excited when uh, celebrities are excited, right? So me starting a relationship with her, as excited as I was to work with her, she was excited to work with me. 
And since then, she's got a private label deal with um, Jay and Solid Bob. She did another private label. Oh, wow. um, Snoop Dogg has had her product. Fucking Erica Badu has had her product. Joe Rogan has had her product. So she's getting into places that she probably wouldn't have got in without me or probably would have been a longer period of time. But the trade-off is that I have a person that's hand-pouring candles that are some of the dopest candles on the market that's handling, fulfilling the, the product. That's that's as passionate about making candles as I am, as passionate as uh, writing a joke, you know. Mm, and it just wow. It just it just lined up perfect, and like it could have been a stressful situation. Like I need this money to pay my bills, but it was never that. I just wanted to see if I could start something, if I could see it through. And since then, since um, I don't want to say the numbers because you know what I'm saying I might get one of them PBA loans too, so I won't say how much money I made off of candles. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give us that look, candle look. amount no no, no yo, yo, we're struggling we're struggling right along man right. hey take these lamborghini keys man park it around back <laughs> no but for me like that for me that was like one of the first steps of having a discipline to promote your product being able to humble yourself to maybe ask for, for a favor from somebody hey could you post this could you speak on it but more importantly with that and even going to the next product i did was i was like this shit gotta be good it's got to be good. It can't just be like, oh, he just slapped his name on something. But with the ingredients she used, the fact that it's hand poured, another fact that it's made in the USA and the shit smells good. The, the flagship scent I had was Black Ash. Oh, nice. And people said, where'd you get that? Because when I was growing up, my dad was like a Cadillac motherfucker. You can't own a Cadillac without having the black, black ice air freshener in your car <laughs> like like you can say you can say you down with black power all you want motherfucker if you ain't got no black ice i can't trust you bro you ain't really black you ain't really black so it was so for some reason that smell like just stuck with me throughout my life and then i got with her and she has a like a very intense nose i was like i want to kind of copy this um this smell but not as masculine but i want you to feel like how would be to have somewhat of a must smell connected with like <laughs> with with red leather, you know what I'm saying? I wanted it to smell like seventy red leather musk. Okay, yeah, red leather musk. That's gonna be the new name, motherfucker. <laughs> red leather musk. But, red leather musk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but 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 we nailed it. And throughout the whole pandemic, in regard to pivoting, that was something that helped me maintain my sanity. Coming up with like a product that I could sell and see some money coming in, and then having an opportunity to work with um, Dave Chappelle and, you know, as close to a COVID free environment as you could create over the summer, man. It was like, as much as people complain about the pandemic and how tough 2020 was, man, it, was, it wasn't really that bad for me, man. I kept my mind straight. That's interesting. Cause you, you if you were uh, a guru, a self-help guru, you, you could have broken down everything you said uh, into sound bites, but it's a real story. You know, you didn't come to it through a book. You said, all right, it's got to be good. What can I do? What is my brand? How can I reach? What kind of product can I sell? I'm just curious now, you mentioned the Dave Chappelle, because you set us up. You already had the podcast. So now that became more relevant. That was a way for people to see you and hear you regularly. You had the products. What was the lure? Besides, you love Dave Chappelle. He's your boy. The lure? To what go to your yeah, what was give me the whole lore, man? I was like this: if I would have stayed quarantined with my baby mother one more week, so she was about to get murdered, nigga. It is about to be forensic science, nigga. It is about to be forensic. First forty-eight, it was going to be HLN, and she seemed to be a mal-mannered guy. You know, I'm just saying, son. That shit was crashing in, son. That shit was crashing in, son. And I'm telling you, when you going through shit, you like just I just want to, I just want to start somewhere fresh i just want a different energy just a, maybe a different scenery got to get out of here so I, that that was part of it but then i knew that what dave because we were we were on the phone like every other day just talking about things and will things ever go back to normal but the idea of him wanting to create an outdoor comedy environment during the summer that was socially distanced ever having, having a, a a testing protocol or whatever. And just being around my friends, I was like, I've got to go. You know what I'm saying? On one side you have, you got LA that every day, one thing, Black Lives Matter was on fire then. You know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. had that energy, you had that energy. 
which was just just left a funk. Of course, we felt liberated because felt like this was going to be different. And of course, I want to be a part of the process of being heard and understand what we're arguing for, what we're fighting for. But at the same time, it could wear you out, man. Protesting every day could really wear you out, bro. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, where can I get in a different space? So all of that kind of contributed to me saying, I'm going to Yellow Spring. And I knew that the relationship I had with Dave, the relationship that I had with the community out there, and the fact that what I was getting the opportunity to do that a lot of comics, till this day, still don't have that freedom. It's like, I was performing regularly. I was performing, like, during the pandemic, we were doing four shows a week. It worked out for me mentally, you know, physically, spiritually, and everything. It was great to be able to do it. You also said, though, something that I thought was really interesting um, going out there. I mean, you may have had one goal, but, you know, you're a city guy. And right. here you are in the wilderness, and that changed you a little bit. Yo, yo, it, when I tell you it changed me, I, I am completely changed, man. I told people, <laughs> I said this in my show, I was sick of Hollywood. I was like, I'm going from the streets to the creeks, from the hoods wow. to the woods, Good. and from horse to oars. I became... <laughs> In, a, in one summer, the River Ninja, bro. And when I tell you that, I embody everything about it to the tune of not giving a fuck about having five, six designer belts. I had one goddamn river belt, Mike. I had one fucking river belt with the buckles. The buckles, the type of shit that you could use to pull a Jeep out of a swamp. Oh, you know my what I'm God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't need that 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 that, that Ferragamo or Gucci bullshit, man. <laughs> you need a belt that had a fucking function. And I remember like the moment when it really, really hit me. Like what's really important. I remember we were. It was the first time I was on a kayak in of course Zero River, and my friend Patrick. We rolling down the fucking river in kayaks, and we smoking. Fuck it, it's whatever, right? And we're relaxing, and you could just hear the birds chirping. You could hear the calm. And he said, this is what life is all about, man. He said, this reminds me of building bike ramps in my backyard and going crawdad fishing with my dad, right? Wow, cool. And that's the memory. Yeah, I was like, this reminds me of looking for my motherfucking dad, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, but, but in that yeah. moment, it reminded me of a lot of the memories that I didn't create from with my father for whatever reason, not throwing shade or anything, but it just, what he explained to father, he, child he had, and with father, child I had with my, with my dad, it just kind of like echoed on what, how much better I wanted to be for my son. The experiences I wanted to give my son, like, I'm like, I want my son to be fucking floating down the river 10 or 15 years from now and say, this reminds me of me and my dad fucking kayaking and canoeing and shit. So yeah, it was, and it was like, and I think I know, I know I'm not alone when I say this, but this pandemic really forced people to understand the real important things in life. We didn't plan to talk about this, but you brought up something I think that's really interesting. I mean, I've been trapped here in New York since this began uh, in Manhattan in an apartment, and it's a Manhattan apartment. Jack, yeah. luckily, is is a little closer to you. He's he's out where there's some trees and actual, you know. I, I'm I'm curious now, actually, for both of you, how much do you think being able to get away and and could have some connection to nature help save your sanity. That's my question. Oh, oh, my! If you, if you I want to know question, from you too, Jack. Yeah, I, 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 I have the mental capacity to be able to deal with any situation if it's isolated or what. You know what I'm saying? Like I would figure out a way to find some happenings in whatever space. But I, I, I like like. They say when you laugh, it releases some type of endorphins in your brain that just stimulates certain creativity right. Right. and everything. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not a scientist or anything, I'm pretty sure having clean air, you know what I mean? Like the, the, that part of it, the visuals of looking at different colors, you know what I'm saying? Smelling like green, looking at green. It's gotta be something scientific to connect what that means to your mental stability. And whatever that is, I probably don't know how to pronounce the word. I know I experienced it there and I know how important it is. I mean, it's like when we were out there, it was people that in the same situation as you, Mike, like in a Manhattan apartment, whatever, they hadn't been away, done anything in a while. That leaving their place is one thing, but leaving a place going to like somewhere in the Midwest where you see corn growing and horses and cows, 
everybody that came out of the experience that you could just feel like they had some type of vitamins for their soul or something, man. It just yeah. exuded through them. Yeah. I think for me, Mike, uh, honestly, I think I I echo a lot of what Danal is saying. I think there is something where the brain processes nature. It's almost like it's it's hardwired into you to be a part of nature. And when you remove that person from nature into the city, you lose something. I mean, I'm always stressed out in the city, but when I come up here, there is this relief, this decompression, this fucking new energy that kicks in. And why the hell would I ever want to go back to the city to, to not feel good? I feel like I'm toxic in there. But that's I feel like what, I'm and radioactive. That, and that's so that's I mean, it's crazy to me. That was the beauty of the pandemic. We yeah. had to get we had to get forced out of it because I'm telling you, even in this business of Hollywood or whatever, Hollywood isn't as ex, of course, it's not exciting now. But the thought of going back to what the norm what we thought the norm was. Yeah. Nobody excited. Nobody excited about it. No. People are starting to work remote. They're starting to um, realize that we can create Hollywood wherever we are. Yes. And then once you, when, but but when you chasing a Hollywood shit and you don't know any different, there's nothing to force you out. There's nothing to say get the fuck out of here. Most of us in this in the bit that, that ascend on Hollywood are country boys. You know what I mean? It's like because you have to leave your hometown. You know what I mean? It's like where are you from? I'm from Chattanooga. You know, I'm from, I'm from Williamsburg or whatever. Why'd you leave? Because there wasn't no opportunities there. Had to go to where the opportunities. In the past, where were the opportunities? New York and LA. Recently, it's become Atlanta. But now because of the pandemic, it's becoming Tennessee now. It's becoming Austin. It's becoming these small pockets like Yellow Springs. People understanding that they could go have a better quality of life. Their mental is more intact. And, and 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 do the same thing. So it's gonna be it's a big change in Hollywood. Yeah, LeBron James proved that with Cleveland. Like he didn't have to go yeah. to LA. He didn't have to go to New York. He could do everything he could do in Eng- in in Cleveland and still get all the perks and the benefits of being in a major city. Uh, yeah, but another, but another thing to add to that too that that shit ain't last that long. Though. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like it's true. That. I it's, but it, but it worked. But listen, somebody said this. Listen, somebody said that. They was making an argument about Kobe Bryant and how long he stayed with them and then LeBron. And this was like barbershop talk, right? They were like, yeah, man, I respect, I respect, I, I, I respect Kobe more than I respect LeBron. Why? Yeah, because LeBron, because Kobe, he never left, he never left California. He never left Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I was like, nigga, no, <laughs> that nigga left, that nigga never left Hollywood, California. Now that's a whole different from the nigga never left yeah. Akron. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> let me like I'm down with the industrial work and everything, but let me get some goddamn palm trees and some sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Hey Donnell, you know, one of the questions yeah. that Mike and I have talked about is this sort of schism, right? This gap between huh? good and great. When you were starting out, what was that moment? that you felt you went from good to great? I don't think that there was one single moment. I think that, that this is crazy. It's not one moment. It's really been my entire career. And I'm saying this as a guy that's been doing it for 28 years. And I think I probably shared this story with Mike before. I was like, this may sound crazy. From the first time I started, every year I think I get better. Hmm. Every year I think I get better. And I'm not talking about a guy that started whack. I'm talking about a guy that started the first time on stage, you caught a standing ovation. So, you know, it was like, not like, oh, you're learning your voice. I'm talking about from day, from year one, every year, I felt I got better up into 27 years into it. And I never, I don't, I don't feel accomplished. I feel like I've added things in my resume or whatever, because I think the minute you start feeling that way, you lose your passion. You lose your hunger. You're not going for anything. Once you start smelling yourself and you feel like there's nothing else that I could do, then your shit starts to teeter off. Do you think that's what you happened know, like, with Eddie Murphy? Um, I don't think that. It's just you get motivated by different things. You're like, when you're younger, you get motivated because you want to be great. You want to be good. And then you feel if you get that way, people will notice it and then you'll get paid for it. You know what I'm saying? And then you get to another point where you want to prove, you want to, prove points to people like you want to you start challenging like oh you didn't say you can't do this so you make that your goal i'm going to show them i can do this you know what i'm saying you you left you have different stages of it then you get one stage it's like i have nothing 
else to prove. So what do I want to do? Just retire and relax? Do I still want to be actively, actively involved? I got enough money where I could just, just fucking chill. But it's hard to keep. You got to create different sparks. And some people get to a point like, like whatever, I'm going to get my money. You know, yeah, but I true. think that I think, but I still think that because there was always this bit of talk about Eddie Murphy coming back to stand up world or whatever. I, I'm pretty sure deep down inside, he wants to possibly do it just to be able to talk shit the way we do when we talk shop. <laughs> yeah, it's you liberating, me talk man. shop. It talk shop and want to be able to, like, oh, I freaked that. Like, I can't talk about roaches or shit no more. So, how can I dig deeper and figure it out? You know. Well, you know, they say comfort can be the death of creativity. I, I'm wondering, do you feel faced with what you had to face with COVID? And now look where you are in terms of all the opportunities and everything. Uh, I mean, Soul was just the number one film that everybody's watching. I mean, you've gotten so much heat for that. And and people didn't Man, even- I'm so let me tell you, you know, if anybody's following my path, they know that I don't fuck with Charlemagne and God for the Breakfast Club, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I can be honest and I can laugh about it. It's nothing, it's not gonna come to gunplay or anything. The biggest you might get is a very disrespectful meme, you know? Right. But I'm gonna tell you, one of the most satisfying feelings was when I did an interview in a breakfast club and he just keep trying to peg these people as who he thinks is funny. And you have a right to whoever you think is funny is funny, right? But then we start stacking up what people have done, who they work with, all that type of shit. We own some different shit, right? And I remember Charlemagne said, yeah, Michael Blackson is going to be on Coming to America, too. I'm like, I'm supportive of that. You know what I mean? Everybody's excited about that. I said, but I don't know if Michael Blackson is going to be a part of a Disney Pixar film that has the first lead Black, 98% Black cast, Black producer, Black co-director, Black co-writer. See, people just think the story has to be Black for a movie to be Black. No, we can get the Black stories, but let's get the Black behind the scenes, nigga. That's the new story. Right. You know right, what I'm saying? Like, right. And I'm like, a movie that's going to be like, it's certain things that you know going to be epic before it even comes out. Pixar, Disney, Pete Doctor, Dana Murray. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the list goes on. Yeah, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Right. Jamie Foxx. But okay, I understand that. That's the least, that's the last, that's the last part of an animation. Jack, that's the last part. The voice is the last fucking part. Hmm. The, I guarantee you the ones that do the editing and everything they like us to feel happy about the awards so you did a great acting job but I know they sit back like motherfucker you weren't in that editing <laughs> you weren't in that editing bay. you know how long it took me to get that fucking hair follicle right motherfucker yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't even use your voices to the last week we used some other actors voices we used voices for <laughs> we, need, we needed voices for placement yo Fuck all that shit. And this is the truth. But when I say that, like, when, like when I first went to the Pixar studios, every I didn't know. I had to Google the names I just met. But it was like every name that I met walking through here, going to watch lunch, were guys when they say, and the winner for best animated. And then you know how the everybody go up there? Yeah. That that's who I was having lunch with and kicking it with. So nice. That's nice. awesome. You know, man. but it was just so interesting that, you know, he was talking about coming to America and everything. And then the same guy that he didn't want to give a fair interview to, that they say is sensitive and everything. This is the only conversation I ever had, wanted to have with him, a real conversation. And I ain't got to talk shit. Uh, 1.7 billion views. Damn, billion or million? No, billion. Billion. Holy they say smokes. if streams, streams, they say that if you, because nowadays what you got to do, remember it used to be box office receipts. They're, those yes. days are about to be done. Yep. Right. I agree. This is a part of it. But then how do you figure out what the number? So they do it. They do a, a some type of equation where 1.7 billion uh, uh, streams or whatever is equivalent to like, I think, three hundred and like ninety million dollars at the wow. box office. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. a different metric. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, also, but there's there's a lot of money that doesn't have to be spent in between. You know, yeah. you have to put out the same kind of prints, advertise. There are no prints anymore. You don't have to worry about all of it. You don't have to and even you, give you know, any of that money to the theater. 
you know, and it's interesting too because, like, like I said earlier, that movie is supposed to be released in the summer. This was supposed to just make my summer just fantastic, and then I know it was a lot of reservations and nervousness because they said it was going to be the summer, and then it was like early fall. They switched the dates twice, so I know them, especially when you're used to doing a theatrical release, mm-hmm. you're used to doing a red carpet and all that type of shit. For you to realize that that's not going to happen this year, I know they were like, "Fuck, fuck." But if you look at it, Mike and Jack, it's the new wave. Like there, I don't think that there has been uh, a, a movie that had so much riding on it during a pandemic as a release. No. Like that was gonna be a fucking blockbuster anyway. Now you'd say kids aren't gonna be able to be in the movie theater. How is this gonna work over? They're not gonna get their popcorn. But now what it is is the kids are going to the movies more than they would. Yeah. Like my son fucking watches this shit twice a day. My son told me, and here's another thing of the, the dopest thing about being in that fucking Pixar project that my son, and not that I live for it, my son finally thinks I'm famous. <laughs> you know, I like, heard the same thing Ben Affleck and his kid when he did Batman. Yeah. It's just something about these kids when you reach yeah. a particular brand, it's like they see you in a whole different light. Uh, yo, I, I thought it was like, my son loves me. I took him fishing. That ain't got shit to do with showing, bro. <laughs> yo, like, I'm like this. We sit down and, and, we, and, we, and we flew a kite together. I know my son was like, nigga, my cousin got a drone, nigga. <laughs> you flying kites? You flying kites? Uncle Ray got a drone, nigga. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and it's a, that's a, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling you. Oh, I'm telling you, like, done a lot of stuff. And he's seeing me like come up on Netflix and stuff like that. But I don't know, man, right now, he looks at me like, there he go right there, mommy. Like she, he be looking like telling his mother to straighten up. Like, do you know who that is? He don't even know that he saw the movie before the world saw it because they gave us a pre-screener or a link, right? About two months before it came out. And I went to one of my friends' house. He has like this backyard theater situation. And we had all the kids around Austin's age. And we said, we're going to make an event. We did the fake ticket booth. We did a nice. popcorn stand. Nice. We did, we, we like, we created the whole movie experience. Like That's the so awesome, and, man. That's great. We did all that. We had the, the it was, it was, it was great. But I fucked up because I, I started a movie. They didn't realize they hadn't seen no commercial. They seen it raw, raw. Wow. They seen the way you guys see movie before everybody. Right. No trailers. They said it like you. They said they get it like the critic release. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> yeah. no, no toys. No nothing. Right. <laughs> Straight soul. It's just no dry, soul. man. It's raw. Yeah, right. they just dry. They get they get soul with no salt, pepper, no hot sauce. <laughs> that just they nope. get who are these no who are these no nose no smelling ass motherfuckers right? <laughs> and then like to, not even that. Not even that. So, and I had a couple of drinks that night because the adults, we were just like, we, I feel so proud. I'm like, guys, you do know you're going to see this before it comes out. Right. And then I ordered, because I was just trying to get a host. I ordered fucking Happy Meals for the kids. Right. Note taken. If you're trying to do a screening with kids, do not drop the Happy Meals before your scene comes on. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> drop them after your scene, bro. Yo, I dropped the motherfucking Happy Meals before my scene. I was elbowing them little motherfuckers. I'm like, yo, here come my part. They like, motherfucker, man. They looking at me like, nobody want to hear that shit. So time goes by, right? Now, because he, my son's on YouTube. He's a YouTube kid, right? So now I told him about the movie Soul. He knows a little bit about it. Now right. he, go to, he go to his phone. Guess what pops up? Soul. Get out of here. IPad. Yo, so, now this Disney is laying out the advertising. They now the money's oh, yeah. about to be spent. Nigga, U-turn, YouTube, soul, motherfucker, Nickelodeon, soul, Kids TikTok, Channel, soul, soul, TikTok, soul. So now he looked at me like, so what movie was you in again, Dad? Oh, oh man. I was like, soul. <laughs> he that talked about me in school. It's such a beautiful man. If I don't if I don't get anything out of that experience, man, knowing that the memories that it created with me and my son and how he looks at me now, it's like, it's incredible. But I wanted to ask you, uh, Donnell, how do Latino comedians achieve the same success 
that black comedians are receiving. Um, what is it that they have to do, not only for comedians, but I guess for creators overall, what are you noticing that, that, that they're not doing that you guys are and that we should be doing? No, they are doing it, but everybody has their time. Everybody has their time when it's all about mm. the Latinos. Everybody's time is all about the blacks. Everybody, everybody has their time. You know what I'm saying? And the Latino uh, audience with anything has stayed close to the black audience. I don't think it's like um, what they have to do. I think they just got to stay the course that they're doing now. Like Latinos have come so far. I remember one time it was just John Leguizamo and that was just all you knew about it, man. But the Latino culture and the black culture, they like running neck and neck. It's just like, yo, motherfuckers, can some brothers just get our own time? <laughs> Yo, come on, son, you greedy ass motherfucker. You greedy ass motherfucker. I can't believe I'm answering that punk ass question. Like, Donnell, what about us, nigga? What are you talking about? But it's true. It's true. I think there's a lot of dudes that are like, yo, are we doing something wrong? I no, think that's kind of like the question. No, 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 no. You, the reason why. Here's the thing. This is when people think they're doing something wrong when they have a gauge of when it's supposed to fucking happen. Motherfuckers is worrying about the wrong thing. They like, why is it that this community, blah, 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 it ain't your time, motherfucker. How is that for being simple to answer to it? It's not your time. You can't rush it. You can't look at someone else's career and decide that that's your time. You have to just stay the course. And the thing that you have to do is learn how to be happy at whatever level you at. Wherever level you are, whether it's financially, mentally, you got to learn how to find your happiness with that. But if you constantly trying to gauge, well, I did this and we did this and look at this, you ain't going to never be happy. You're never going to be happy and you're never going to be fulfilled. The only way you're going to be fulfilled is when you fucking learn how to enjoy, embrace the fucking journey and understand that that's the journey. Stop rushing it. Mm. Stop rushing it. Look at look at shit now. First female vice president, black. Everything that everybody is dreaming about is becoming a reality. But we want shit so fast. Just take your time, and it's all gonna work out. That's good. It's wow. good, man. You know, yeah. that's again that now the word for patience. Patience. That's what it is. And believe. Yeah, yeah you gotta yeah. Believe and stay. And, and and guess what? Everybody may not make it. But the thing is, enjoy the ride, dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> That's it, man. Any parting words, Mike? Uh, well, I just wanted to ask you, the last question I have for you is, what are, what are your thoughts? Because to me, uh, you're coming into 2021 blazing, much stronger. man. Yeah, blazing, much yeah. stronger than you were in 2020. And you thought you were coming into 2020 really strong. I just right. want to know if you believe in fate now or if you always have. Fate, I believe, I do believe in fate, but I believe that you need to help fate. I believe you need to help fate. You definitely need to help God. God busy as shit right now. <laughs> and as much, as much as people want to, want to as much, most people want to like, I'm going to pray to God, pray to God. Think about how busy God was before pandemic. Now, times 10. So, you know, be cautious on what you ask for. Understand that fate is determines everything, but you got to push it along. You got to help it. You got to do the right things. You got to help it. You know what I'm saying? You can't want to make it if you don't can't get out of bed and fucking until like two o'clock in the afternoon and then pray for his career. You can't do that, motherfucker. I ain't got time for that, motherfucker. I'm trying to get COVID out of this nigga's system. You got, I'm trying to get COVID. I'm trying to get this nigga to be able to smell again, nigga. You can't get out of bed. You laying in bed with all your sisters, nigga. This nigga can't even smell breakfast, nigga. Go make some breakfast and burn some bacon, nigga. So you know wait, how, speaking of that, speaking of how yeah. far in are you now in quarantine? How far in are you? I don't even know. I don't even know what you're talking about. This interview been over, motherfucker. I'm good, son. I'm good, son. All I know is people around me are safe and ain't nobody worried about nothing, son. That's all, all right. folks. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Last thing, right? I talked about my pivot with my merchandise. If anybody is interested in helping my son go to private school, and he's going to go to private school, make sure you go to donairwallace.com. I don't have a store. I have a collection of all wellness products and pick something up, all right?
Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.